The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time to stop focusing on business problems and start focusing on the growth and leadership of your business. Welcome to The Business Edge with your host, Marsha Zeidel. Learn from savvy, street-smart entrepreneurs how to make the leap from running a stressful business that's always putting out fires to leading a successful company that is innovative, productive, profitable. Now, here's Marsha Zeidel. Welcome to The Business Edge, giving street-smart advice to entrepreneurs and business leaders and how to take their company, firm, or organization to that next level with less stress and more success. In other words, how to create and grow great businesses that matter, those that do well and do good. I'm Marcia Zeidel, the Smart Moves Coach and Speaker, helping entrepreneurial ventures and small to medium-sized companies build the leadership and talent to move from innovative startup to productive scale-up to profitable enterprise. My motto is, if you do what you've always did, you will get what you always got. Therefore, move outside your comfort zone. That's where the magic happens. So let's start right now to bring some magic to your leadership and business with Marsha's Musings. It's time for Marsha's Musings, a tasty morsel of wisdom and wit to take the growing pains out of growth. Building profitable business relationships. Realize that people are different. Imagine this. You walk into your local Walmart and see a pool filled with live turtles, cages of live chickens, and an aquarium with live fish. Are you in the pet department? No. You're in the grocery section, and these animals are for your dinner. In Western cultures, this would be shocking. You might even see protest or consumer outrage. But in Eastern cultures, this is typical, as I learned in my travels. Walmart, before expanding into China, conducted market research and learned consumers there don't like food wrapped in plastic. They think the food is old and they won't buy it. So Walmart's solution was to do the complete opposite of what they do in the West. They decided to sell live animals. As a result, the company has been very successful in Eastern markets. This is one example of just how different cultures can be. People often talk about how the world is getting smaller, thanks to travel and technology. But the reality is, even though we interact with different cultures more than ever, there are still major differences. People often think differently, conduct business differently, have different expectations. This makes living in a diverse world very interesting, as I found living with my family in Scandinavia for five years. However... It's challenging as well. I had to learn many new things from making toasts at formal dinners to cooking lasagna differently. Not all packaged noodles are the same. So here's a smart moose tip. 
When coaching clients ask me about working or traveling internationally, my suggestion is this. Although you probably won't have time to study every small cultural detail of the country you're about to visit, it's crucial you at least become familiar with their social and business customs. Also learn a few words in the native language. This will go a long way in creating a good impression with your customers and business partners. Listeners, here's a resource for you. 60 Life Savers to Build Profitable Business Relationships. To get it, contact me at Marcia, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com or call 972-380-9181. You're listening to Marcia Zidle, the Smart Moves Coach. Making sure you're on the right track and not getting sidetracked in your drive for high performance and profitability. Today's program carries out the theme of building profitable relationships, and it's lost in transition, doing business internationally. When doing business on an international stage, it's crucial to not only know what to say, but how to say it. Whether you're the CEO or an envoy for a company doing global business, my guest Pamela Eyring will share how a working knowledge and comprehension of the cultural, business, and social customs of your international associates can ensure that nothing is lost in transition. She is the owner and president of the Protocol School of Washington, the global leader in international protocol, business etiquette, and cross-cultural awareness training. She has worked with some of the most influential business leaders, heads of state, and political dignitaries across the globe. Welcome, Pam. It's a delight to have you back on the business edge. And in fact, her March 11th program, Start Me Up, How Entrepreneurship Made Me Feel Like a Global Rock Star, is available for all of you to hear about her entrepreneurial journey. So again, welcome, Pam. Hello, Marcia. Thank you very much. Well, let's just get started and talk about interne- you know, uh, working, living uh, uh, globally. And this is, as I said to you earlier, um, this is something that I, I identify with. I've lived it and, like many others, have some interesting stories about um, uh, the things that I did right and sometimes the things that I did wrong. <laughs> so... Um, so let's, you know, really get a, a feel for now that we're expanding into a global marketplace. And though the expanding influence of, uh, of social channels, um, and especially through the influence of social channels, how important is it for business leaders to be culturally aware? Marcia, there's so many benefits from being culturally aware. I mean, from helping us establish, you know, productive relationships and and working in teams. It can also assist us in obtaining information that we're seeking. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's used to handle disagreements and motivate colleagues and supervisors. But it also helps us make decisions and build agreements. I always like to share that, you know, we're more, there's more commonality we have than we have differences. But those differences are what are our pitfalls. This is where we can, like you said, realize we've made a mistake. And it, it might be a mistake that is simple. It just 
doesn't come across uh, to the other person receiving it because we have, each of us have different cultural lenses. Right, and I certainly could give a litany of my mistakes, which I won't do. But, uh, <laughs> but um, in the just give an example from your own experience or from your client's experience of simple faux pas uh, that we aren't even aware of that do have ramifications. I think it comes down to communication style. You know, we communicate verbally and non-verbally, but Mm -hmm. we have to understand our own communication style, our own culture, before we can understand someone else's and the way that we like to communicate. And I'll tell you, we, you know, as adults, we have many influences that kind of build the the values that we have and those those emotions and ideas Mm -hmm. that we like to work uh, in a group. For instance, you know, it could be your family, it could be your religion, it could be uh, the history of, mm-hmm. of what you've experienced, it could be when you started in college or your university and, mm-hmm. and the emotions and values that you learned from there, and it continues to grow. But, but by, what I find are those that do not learn that others, and it's okay for others to have different values or do things differently. You've seen that iceberg. You know, I think we use it a lot in communication, the iceberg, where, you know, when we're on the ship, we see the tip of the iceberg and, oh, danger beware, go around this. But it, it really what it comes down to is we, we see, it's what we see and observe, so we, or we hear. So we hear language. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also see how a, a person is dressed and what they're wearing and how their behaviors are that we observe. It's easy to, to view this. But what, what is less visible and not easily seen is that those other assumptions and beliefs that are shaping their behavior. We don't know maybe their background or their influences. Well, just an example that I came up with is, uh, that I experienced, and it, it, it really has to do with communication and learning styles, is that coming from the U.S., not, uh, a lot of our training is experiential, and we break people up in groups, and, and, they t- and we ask questions and everything, and, and there's a lot of activity. And I remember in Scandinavia that it was much more what would be called the, uh, the British style, which is lecture. You know, they, they expected mm-hmm. lectures, yeah. right? And so um, I had to change my style um, to fit in with the style the, of their expectations. Um, and I think, you know, so that is, that goes real deep into that, that we, we communicate differently and we have different expectations. Um, so, you know, I, I know we may go into a, you know, take a deeper dive, but I, I want to get to your next question because I think this is, you know, it's so apropos. Um, in the current political climate in the U.S., we are seeing people talk more and more about cultural diversity, both good and bad. Why is it crucial to remain civil and respectful when dealing with people who share different cultural beliefs and customs? That's an excellent question during our political climate, as you said, Marcia. 
I believe, and and what we teach too, is one, you never know who you're going to work for someday, (laughs) and you never know who your client is going to be someday, but the the biggest one is that the third is that when you adapt or respect people from different cultural beliefs and customs, we're not being ignorant that we understand and we're educated that there are people that are different than us and that think differently or do behaviors or have behaviors that are different or even look different than us. So I always like to recommend that just be open. There, You know, there's a difference between generalizations mm-hmm. and stereotypes. Uh, I'd like to share that with you and for your listeners because, you know, generalizations, we all have them. Maybe mm-hmm. because we don't have experience and when we, you know, it's a general thought or, uh, you know, that it, it might be a hypothesis that, you know, still needs to be tested or observed or analyzed, but it, generalizations, at least those that have generalization about another culture, are more open with their attitude and curiosity. Mm-hmm. The key is their willingness to learn. So, in other words, if they learn about another culture, then they can be more accepting of that other culture. So generalizations are fine as long as you're open and willing to learn about the other culture. Stereotypes are the negative. They're Mm -hmm. the ones that, you know, the person will not uh, let any information come in. You know, they have a judgmental attitude Mm -hmm. and a very selective perception about that culture and a refusal to learn. And that can be very negative and can hurt uh, an individual in business or even in their social life. And we need connections. We need to build relationships, not the opposite. Right. And, and especially if you are working in an international company or a company, it could be a, a, a company in your, in your country, but have internet, uh, clients, global clients, you are going to be uh, uh, working with, communicating with, negotiating with people who are different. And um, I'm just wondering, from your experience, um, is it easy? Do you find some people f- find it easier than others to grasp the the uh, you know what that other culture is, the nuances of that other culture? Yeah, I can. Yes, I can tell you the personal experience was. Um, you know, we have internationals, uh, different cultures, come to our courses in Washington D.C. area. <laughs> mm-hmm. However, um, when I was doing some negotiating with uh, with the United Arab Emirates, where they wanted us to come and do training outside of the U.S. in their country, and uh, we were negotiating and we were discussing and we were doing pricing and we were doing a lot of this online or by Skype or phone call. And all of a sudden, after a you know good month or two of discussions and back and forth, the, the conversation just ended. I didn't hear anything from them. I was concerned. I was, you know, what did I say? Did I do something incorrect? So I contacted a colleague of mine, and we had a discussion, and he told me that, you know, really, they're a face-to-face nation. You need to go to the United Arab Emirates. And I said, 
you and it was in Dubai actually. And mm-hmm. I said, "Do you want me to go to Dubai?" And and this is when the economy was coming down, two thousand eight, two thousand nine timeframe. And I kept asking that question. I said, "Do you want me to go to Dubai just to meet with them?" And he said, "To them." By you coming to them and meeting with them face-to-face and having conversation, it shows trust and belief in your own services mm-hmm. as well as they get to learn to trust you. And I'll tell you what, if I hadn't have done that, I don't think I would have an office in Dubai and doing so much work in the uh, Gulf Middle East area. So what you did was that you learned what were the norms of that culture in terms of negotiation, how they do business, um, uh, you know, what behaviors uh, they are looking for, and then you adapted your, you know, your style for them versus exactly. you going in there, going in there and saying, it's going to, it's my way or the highway, right? Um, right, and and exactly, Marcia, and in fact, Americans, majority of Americans tend to be more direct in business. You know, time is money. Let's get this done. I've written out the proposal, sign on the dotted line, and and we want to be done and get going with our work. But in that culture, it it takes time. Time is of very important not to rush and be patient with that negotiation because if you're trying to hurry, that observation from them could be that hmm, maybe they're not being trustworthy. They just want to take my money or, uh, you know, jump right in and not taking consideration into my, my business or my culture. So you, oh. you're you right on, Marcia. Well, great. And this is a perfect time because uh, we're going to take a short break. I'm Marcia Zeidel, the Smart Moves Coach, and my guest is Pam Eyring, talking about loss in translation, doing business internationally. You're listening to the Business Edge on Voice America Business Channel. Stay tuned. There's a science for building a successful business. The number one requirement is that you have a management system that controls all its moving parts. Without the system, your business is disorganized. Your quality is inconsistent. Your customers complain. With this system, your business is transformed into a finely tuned machine that is innovative, productive, profitable. Sign up now for the Manage Hub Quick Start Workshop. It's completely free, and you'll get instant access to ManageHub software, training, and support. Go from stressful to successful. Visit MarciaZeidel.com. That's M-A-R-C-I-A-Z-I-D-L-E.com. Have you heard the great news? Snelling has been awarded Best of Staffing by both clients and candidates for their remarkable service, an achievement less than 1% of all workforce solutions companies can claim. Simply put, Snelling's satisfaction scores are more than double the industry average. We call it People Plus, and you'll understand why when you give us a call. Call us at 1-800-411-6401 or visit our webpage at www.snelling.com. That's 1-800-411-6401 or snelling.com. 
There's a saying, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always gotten. Are you satisfied with what you're getting? Are you ready to get something different? To get the business edge, bring Marsha Zidal, the Smart Moves author and professional speaker, to your next meeting, conference, or retreat. What you get is more than just stories and motivation. Marsha delivers big ideas with big impact to fast-track your business and your leadership. Schedule your next keynote or presentation now at Marsha, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com. You're tuned in to The Business Edge with Marsha Zidle. To reach Marsha or her guests on today's show, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send us an email to marsha at smartmovescoach.com. Now, back to The Business Edge. Welcome back to The Business Edge. I'm Marcia Zeidel, the Smart Moves Coach, helping entrepreneurial ventures and small to medium-sized companies build the leadership and talent to grow great businesses that matter, those that do good and do well. My guest is Pam Earing, president of the Protocol School of Washington, providing us with insights into doing business internationally. And as we are talking about what are some of the, you know, the the idea of realizing that different people will have different expectations and different behaviors uh, and different ways of communicating. And that if you are to be successful internationally, you need to be aware of this. So now, Pam, I know that you teach cross-cultural communications to business and political leaders from across the world. What are some verbal and nonverbal mistakes, such as body language and gestures, that people should avoid when dealing with international business associates? Well, for instance, Marcia, Americans are very friendly. We're, we're very friendly and we're very casual of a nation. Uh, we're actually the second most casual besides Australia. And we tend to talk a lot. We're very talkative. We like to share ideas. And, and we also look at others that we're dealing with, and even if they're from a different country, to be similar to us. We want to talk and, and show a lot more body language. And and other cultures look at that as being too talkative, that we're sharing too much and, and that we're superficial, possibly just because of the, the verbal aspects of what we're sharing, where some cultures tend to be more um, silent and mm-hmm. thought-provoking. In other words, if you compare Americans with, say, the Japanese, the Japanese are very restrained. They're they're very comfortable and confident verbally. They don't talk too much unless they have something specific to say. Their messaging is shorter. Where we tend, we're looking for connectivity. We're looking for body language. And when we're not seeing it, we tend to get uncomfortable and we talk more, (laughs) which makes it uh, more difficult where they're thinking, wow, this person is just too talkative and they're not getting to substance, when in reality, we're just trying to make uh, a friendship or, or trying to connect. Right. So that's one of the the verbal mistakes I think we do um, cross culturally, and it's uncomfortable for us um, in the nonverbal side with our body language. 
Now we're we like to hug people. We're very friendly, as I mentioned, but other cultures are more distant. They're they're more reserved. You don't have so much body uh, contact and double handshaking and hugging and things of this nature when you're first doing business with someone. Well, you know, just from my experience living both in Norway and Australia, very different cultures. And the Aussies are, you know, hello, Mick, and, you know, let's have go, go, go for a drink and, and, you know, just very friendly and very open. And, and as an American, you, you, you can interact with them. And then you go to a more a Scandinavian country, which is uh, more reserved. And I think that has been the greatest learning for me as I've traveled for different countries, exactly what you're saying, which is the verbal and nonverbal behavior to be very aware of it. Um, so is there anything else you would like to say about verbal, nonverbal behavior? For example, let me ask you this question. If someone from Japan was coming to do business in the United States, what would you tell them how they need to uh, communicate with us friendly Americans. <laughs> I would tell them, uh, first of all, that our dress in business tends to be more on the business casual side, depending okay. on on who they're going to be visiting. Usually the, the Japanese are very formal dressers, mm-hmm. meaning dark suit, white shirt, red tie, kind of what we think in the po- political side. And and they do that not only for themselves, but out of respect to the person that they're meeting, to be more uh-huh. formally dressed, right. to let them know that it's okay that if you're meeting an executive or government official that's in a sports jacket and open collar, that that is normal for us in the United okay. States, right. um, where although I would recommend the U.S. person to dress it up a little bit more and <laughs> put on a tie, <laughs> and because it, it would just show respect to them. Right. But I would right. tell them this, and I would tell Americans are very friendly and talkative, mm-hmm. and but but time is very important to them. So to be on time, mm-hmm. or even a few minutes early to a meeting is appropriate. Also, I would tell them that they do exchange business cards. We exchange business cards very easily, mm-hmm. but it might not occur as soon as we meet them. We might greet by shaking hands, having very small. Um, small talk and conversation, but then we're going to get right into business. The business card exchange might not occur until the end of the meeting, where the Japanese tend to do it in the beginning of the meeting, just so that they're prepared and are ready for this. And I think the point that uh, what I wanted to get across and that you have done beautifully is that not only do Americans have to adapt to the cultures of the other uh, countries, other cultures, but other cultures will also adapt when they come here. So um, let's move on because this is another biggie um, in terms of cultures and how different cultures do it differently. Um, When making formal business introductions with people from other countries, the old saying about never having a second chance to make a good first impression certainly applies. What are some examples of proper and improper international business introductions that people should be aware of? 
Well, again, if we use the Japanese, Marsha, as an example in, in their formality, uh, it comes down, inter- business introductions are based on hierarchy or rank. So if you think about officials, government officials or state and local officials, they receive the non-official. So if you have someone in military or if you have a governor or a mayor that's going to be receiving someone, maybe a, a resident in their own city, you know, they're receiving them. So the highest authority's name is spoken first. That's the biggest rule. And they understand this. More, more cultures are very key to their rank and status uh-huh. in business and in government. And if you have a, a higher authority, say a corporate uh, VP, and you have a junior executive, of course you would say the, v, the vice president's name first. And, and then you would say, I would like to introduce, or may I introduce, not you meet him or her. <laughs> we, we can't be too casual when we're dealing with culture. And then clients receive the company executives. So a client, as we've always said, which is true internationally, that the client is the most important person. And we would say the client's name first, but that would be the right way to make an introduction. And you would say the, the higher authority or ranking person's name first, uh-huh. and then say, I would may I introduce. And another thing that's positive is if you can say their name with an honorific. So if they're a, a professor or a, uh, a physician or a doctor, you want to make the introduction a little more formal at uh-huh. the beginning of that meeting, when the first time you're meeting. Okay, here is one of the things that I've come across, and um, I think many people do, uh, which is the pronunciation of names, both uh, first name and last name, that you're not familiar with. It's a different culture. You, you, and how do you deal with that so that you don't make a faux pas? If you have time to practice the name in advance, if you're having a business meeting and you're expecting someone from Japan with, uh, you know, a, a Japanese name that might be difficult to pronounce, write it out phonetically mm-hmm. and practice it. And, the, and this way, when you're speaking the name, it will be appropriate and correct. It, it is more difficult when we're meeting someone for the first time in a social environment. Maybe we're at a, a business luncheon or, you know, it's a, a random meeting that you're meeting someone. If you're being introduced and your own name is difficult to pronounce, say it more slowly, not mm-hmm. loudly. Sometimes we do that. We're like, my <laughs> name is, and it's like, no, they're not, they can't hear. Just yeah. pronounce it slower. And uh, and you can help them by, like, my last name is pronounced I-ring, like an I and a ring. But if you see it on my name tag, it might look like Ewing, like Pamela Ewing from right. Dallas and JR. And, you know, people always mispronounce it. It's okay. But if I need to correct them in a nice way, I, and someone introduces me as Pamela Ewing, I would say, hello, I'm, my name is Pamela I-ring. And I would right. say it uh, clearly and distinctively. All right, let me ask you this question. Is this appropriate or not? You're being introduced for the first time to someone from a country, whether it's Japan uh, or and the name, and they said their name, and you didn't get it. You know, it just went way over your head. 
would it be appropriate to ask them to repeat their name, or would that not be appropriate? <laughs> if you think you understood it enough that if they repeated it, you'd recall it and be able right. to say it, then you could ask. You could say, I'm sorry, I, I, it's noisy. May you please pronounce your name again? Mm-hmm. And then say the name directly after they pronounce it. Okay. If you think, if you're, if you're good. If you're not so good at it and <laughs> uncomfortable, say, well, it's great to meet you. I, sure. I look forward to uh, entertaining you at our business luncheon uh, tomorrow afternoon. So you don't have to say their name if you think you, you have a challenge there. Um, most internationals, I find uh, people that are visiting the United States understand that maybe we, we have challenges in this area. And, and they, they sometimes change their name so that we can pronounce it, which <laughs> right, is not the right. right thing to do, but it happens. Well, I'd like to move on to our next uh, topic area because it is, again, very apropos. It's very timely. Recently, the Cuban government said that President Obama's gift-giving was unnecessary on his recent state visit. What is the protocol for international gift-giving when meeting with foreign business leaders or heads of state? Can you give some examples of good good gifting ideas in different countries? Let me start by saying, Marcia, that you know, possibly the, the, Cuban, the Cuban culture is not as familiar with international gift-giving practice, or it's not a custom of theirs. Uh, you know, I have found with gift-giving internationally that at a head of state level and, uh, you know, foreign leader level, it's a way to show friendship and respect or even appreciation Mm-hmm. And it is very common internationally to give gifts, but the gift needs to be appropriate. For instance, in the United States, we're very careful giving gifts, and our gifts are usually smaller in nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, we cannot give government officials gifts and, and so that it doesn't you know, look like it's a bribe, mm-hmm. but it can be once uh, from a company and the value has to be under $20, I believe, still. So it's a small token gift or a business gift. When you're giving gifts to other cultures that are known for their gift giving, mm-hmm. then you, you want to make sure it's appropriate and more business focused versus personal, unless it is a, a friendship that you have. But with the Cubans, possibly they weren't used to it. It wasn't part of their culture and gift-giving. But to understand that when President Obama gave those gifts, that it was appropriate and it was a way of showing um, respect and, and an, a beginning of a new friendship and that it should be taken as such. Well, we just have a couple of more minutes uh, before our next break. And... Um you know, one of the things was examples of good give, give, good gifting ideas. What might be some gifts that, if we are going to another country, that we should bring? Um, any any thoughts on that, or things not to bring? Look at the country. I mean, I would recommend studying the country. A lot of Asian cultures uh, tend to not, like clocks, for instance, desk clocks, etc., you know, tend to be very common business gifts in the U.S., but to them, uh, clocks can denote death, that time is running out with our relationship. 
it's not an appropriate gift, but maybe a good gift would be something from our culture with their colors, their flag colors, for instance, or their national colors. And I, I love, and they are respect. Hand, for instance, hand-blown glass that uh-huh. maybe has their, col- their their national colors in it, and it, it could be uh, a beautiful plate that is designed. And if it has both colors, that's one way. What you're trying to do is show that your culture and their culture, you know, that there's friendship there, and uh-huh. you can do it by their using their national colors. I love looking into, or or maybe it's a horse. You know, I do a lot of gift giving in uh, the Middle East and golf, and one of the, the gifts, you know, they have Arabian horses they're very known for. So how do I connect that to the U.S. who has wonderful, beautiful thoroughbreds and and that George Washington had a uh, an uh, Arabian, part Arabian horse, our, le- our first leader of our country. Right, right. Well, um, it is time for a short break. I'm Marcia Zeidel, the Smart Moves Coach, and my guest is Pam Iring, talking about Lost in Translation, doing business internationally. You're listening to the Business Edge on Voice America Business Channel. Stay tuned. Have you heard the great news? Snelling has been awarded Best of Staffing by both clients and candidates for their remarkable service, an achievement less than 1% of all workforce solutions companies can claim. Simply put, Snelling's satisfaction scores are more than double the industry average. We call it People Plus, and you'll understand why when you give us a call. Call us at 1-800-411-6401 or visit our webpage at www.snelling.com. That's 1-800-411-6401 or S-N-E-L-L-I-N-G dot com. There's a saying, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always gotten. Are you satisfied with what you're getting? Are you ready to get something different? To get the business edge, bring Marsha Zidal, the smart moves author and professional speaker, to your next meeting, conference, or retreat. What you get is more than just stories and motivation. Marsha delivers big ideas with big impact to fast-track your business and your leadership. Schedule your next keynote or presentation now at Marsha, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com. Have you ever heard of someone who felt stuck in a challenging situation, feeling sideswiped by an event that took their success path off course? Glenn Ramsey, the entrepreneur blind spot coach, will help you to identify the unnoticeable reasons why you've derailed and get back on track with your KPI goals. Get realigned with success and connect with Glenn, the blind spot coach, at glenn at inspirenexus.com to schedule your free discovery coaching session today. That's Glenn. G-L-E-N at InspireNexus.com. There's a science for building a successful business. The number one requirement is that you have a management system that controls all its moving parts. Without the system, your business is disorganized. Your quality is inconsistent. Your customers complain. With this system, your business is transformed into a finely tuned machine that is innovative, productive, profitable. Sign up now for the Manage Hub Quick Start Workshop. It's completely free, and you'll get instant access to Manage Hub software, training, and support. Go from stressful to successful. Visit MarshaZidal.com. 
That's M-A-R-C-I-A-Z-I-D-L-E dot com. You're tuned in to The Business Edge with Marsha Zidle. To reach Marsha or her guests on today's show, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send us an email to Marsha at smartmovescoach.com. Now, back to The Business Edge. Welcome back to The Business Edge. I'm Marsha Zeidel, the Smart Moves Coach, helping entrepreneurial ventures and small to medium-sized companies build the leadership and talent to grow great businesses that matter, those that do good and do well. My guest is Pam Eyring, president of the Protocol School of Washington, providing us with insights into doing business internationally. At the end of the last segment, we're talking about gift giving and how you need to be aware of what's appropriate and what's not appropriate in that culture that you are traveling to or doing business in. So um, one of the things that I think is important, and I know you would like to talk about it, is from business introductions to proper gift gilding, gifting, how can someone do preliminary research into the business customs of a foreign country to ensure that proper protocol is met? Excellent. Marcia, you do need to do your homework and understand their history, any of their do's and taboos or superstitions. Color is one thing that can can be a problem. If you're giving a, a gift with wrapping that has an incorrect or a color that denotes, say, funerals. So for us, like black is not a good gift wrapping color, unless you're turning 50, of course, or <laughs> or it, it's you know a funeral color. So we don't usually give gifts wrapped in black solid black, for instance. And the Japanese, it's the opposite. White denotes their funeral color. But you can go to online at the CIA.gov, and they have the World Factbook, and it gives a guide to country profiles. You can learn about uh, the different countries and their history and uh, protocol and their people, and it's a great resource. Also, there's so many great international books. I still like Mary Murray Bosrock's books, uh, Putting Your Best Foot Forward. They tend to have, uh, they're very rich in the historical side and history side of the religions, and it really helps you make good decisions when you're bringing gifts. And the other thing that I want to add from my own personal experience, and it has to do with where you get your information. And when I was living overseas, there was no such thing as an Internet. Okay, so it goes back many years ago. But I could remember that... um, my husband worked for a major oil company. We were sent to St- to Norway, Stavanger, Norway, and they gave us a packet of stuff. This is something, you know, from HR or whatever, and it was tapes so we could learn the language. But what they didn't realize was that the tapes had the Oslo dialect, not the Stavanger dialect, and there's a difference in the dialects of different parts of the country so we started listening to the tapes and then we started speaking 
um, you know, communicating and people couldn't understand us. And I thought, well, it's just my American accent. But then I realized it was wrong information. So uh, that's the one thing that I would like to get across is, is be, you know, just because someone says something, uh, confirm it and ask different people about it. Uh, your and thoughts you can check with the embassies, too, I think, Marcia. You're right. You're absolutely right. There's so much information on through Google or Internet that it's hard to decipher what is right. I read it all the time, and, I'm, and I can dispute a few of the sites I've seen. I'm like, no, that's just, you know, they make generalizations, which are fine, but really what's current today? And you can check with the embassies. You know, if you're going to be traveling or you're hosting someone in business, you can go to the embassy website, and you can also contact someone at the uh, in the embassy. Also, you can talk with your local colleges and universities. There's many deans that might be uh, available or international students that mm-hmm. are in your local colleges and universities that you can meet with and just ask them questions and what to expect. That's a that way you get it directly from someone who's actually lived the culture. Right, and that's what I recommend when people ask me is talk to the people who come from that country, who have lived in that country cuz they know wh- what it is like. Um so, you know, we're t- getting towards the end of uh, this show, and there's so much great information that you have given uh, to our listeners. Um, and so I wonder if you can boil it down to perhaps, you know, three, four, or five key things that you want them to remember about uh, uh, working, traveling internationally, doing business internationally. So what might they be? The first I would say, which is very important, is rank and status. More countries are more formal than we are here in the United States. So take that into consideration. The way that you dress and and how you groom yourself is very important because everyone is very visual. We're very visual people um, or we, we look at people um, and judge them subconsciously on the way they're dressed. So dress uh, more formally. You can never go wrong, but dress more formally. And for women, dress more conservatively. And that way, you're, you'll be more respected in the international arena. I also would uh, stay focused on your communication style. Do you be self-aware? Do you talk too much? Do you have too large of hand gestures and and you use idioms and in those areas? Calm yourself down. Be <laughs> self-aware. Hold. Be more conservative in your body language and not speak so much if you find that you communicate in a very rapid way. Uh, Those would be my top areas. The last I would say is be open to learning, open to learning about their culture. Let them talk more about their country than you talk about yours. And engage in that conversation, read up, be well-informed about their country. Anytime I'm traveling abroad, I, I try to look online to a local, you know, their paper, mm-hmm. the paper that's hopefully in English. That helps. And be aware of what's going on in the country. And if there's um, difficulty, you know, that's not small talk ability. You don't want to bring up the politics and 
uh, all the negative things that might be going on in their country, but you should be aware of them in case uh, you, you're making small talk. You don't want to go in that arena, you know, that area. But talk more about their their beauty of their country or mm-hmm. their entertainment or their museums. Learn a little bit before you go so that you can make that small talk. And, you know, something that came to my mind is um, that because I am outgoing and because I have traveled extensively, I'm at ease in in meeting people from other countries or other cultures, and I I am naturally curious. But not everyone has had that experience that I've had or that you've had, and this may be their first time getting out of their, um, you know, the, the the arena and 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 their company and sending them to this country that that they are they're not familiar with and yes they can do the research but and I'm sure you've worked with people who have been hesitant or insecure in making that you know getting out of their comfort zone um what do you suggest to them I believe that you know we're all human and we do get fears because of our of the unknown. So we're not sure. We all want to be liked. That mm-hmm. I think is very common in people in general. Is that we want to be liked and respected. And we, sometimes we're overexcited, our adrenaline's flowing, or our fears of oh my gosh, they're not going to like me, or I'm going to fail. One power of positive thinking, and two. Just follow their lead. If their body language is more subdued, subdue yours a little bit. Mm-hmm. Be more, uh, more like them. You know, if you, especially if you're in their country, learn, ask questions. It's so much easier to talk with someone if you're asking them questions, but be careful on the questions that you're asking about. Don't get too personal. To ask, tell them to share more about their co- their uh, company. Uh, explain if they know about their maybe it's their logo or their the colors and their flag. Be interested in them and ask questions, and then that way they'll share more, and you'll find you have more in common than you do uh, different. And I think the other thing that I would also say is that when you're on a business trip, you tend to be ensconced in your hotel and you may get driven from place to place. And um, I would suggest, uh, you know, having some free time, you know, say, take me to your local whatever it is. What's going on in your city and get a feel for the people there. Uh, the, The one experience thing that I can think of. Uh, was that uh, when we we also lived in uh, Sydney, Australia, and we had friends from Texas who were living in Singapore. And so we went to Singapore to visit them, and they took us out to eat. And they didn't take us out to eat in in a fancy restaurant. They took us to a hole in the wall. But it was (laughs) delicious. (laughs) Yeah, and that's that's what you want to see with the locals. Any, you know, thoughts on that? Or do you... um, I'm and I get you. Ha- yes. Uh, so I, why don't you, I, you go ahead and, and just give one or two thoughts on that? Marcia, my my daughter is uh, turning eighteen and graduating high school and going off to school at uh, Duke University. And I, for her graduation and her birthday, I'm taking her to Milan, Italy. And and I said to her, "Tell me where where do you want to go in Milan? If we go to Mar- Mar- uh, Milan." 
what do you want to see? I want you to do the homework and tell me. And the first thing that came out of her mouth, she said, Mother, I would like to go to a grocery store. I looked at her, I go, what? And she said, I want to go to a grocery store. I want to see what they eat. I want to see how they display it. I want to see the different packaging and the Italian uh, uh, language on the products and see what we have that they have and what they have we don't. And I thought that was fascinating that you can really see a culture just by mm-hmm. experiencing it in a supermarket. Well, I, I, I think that's the, the, a perfect timing to say um, – a great idea, go to your local supermarkets, whatever country you're in. Um, uh, Pam, I want to thank you so very much. I, not only do I enjoy the, t- the topic you're talking about, but it's so meaningful, not only for me, for the, but for those who will be going uh, internationally and working internationally and doing business internationally. So for our listeners, Pam, how can they contact you if they want further information? They can go to our website at psow.edu uh, or call us. We always enjoy talk, speaking with uh, our potential clients or just people that are interested in our school. They can call at any time, and we, we enjoy having courses on site for them, and we can customize any of the training that they need for what their outcomes are for well, um, again, thank you so much, Pam, and uh, I look forward to uh, interviewing you again, maybe in a couple of months on, an- on another topic. So, uh, next week's program to bring more magic to your leadership and business is Structured for Success. As business owners, do you find you're not getting half of the things you need to accomplish, and at the end of the day, you're weary and worn out? To make matters worse, you find you're leaking profits because you don't have the needed structures in place. Would you like uh, ways to eliminate frustrations, long hours, and workplace chaos? My guest, Karen Logan, is a a productivity specialist and author who will share solutions that are made to order for the business owner who is ready to grow and be more productive. She will show all of us how to get better control of our work and our lives. Tune in Friday, April 22nd at noon Pacific and 3 p.m. Eastern. Here's a smart moose tip for your, for your week. Hunt elephants, not stop ants. Every day, go after your high payoff priorities. Minimize the time spent on stomping ants, those tasks that give you a quicker kill and a higher body count, but don't put much meat on the table. Are you an elephant hunter or an ant stomper? Here's how to find out. Let's do a productivity audit. Contact me at Marcia, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com or call 972-380-9181. And now my favorite quote. There are three kinds of people in this world. Those who make it happen, those who let it happen, and those who ask what happened. Which one are you? If you're highly motivated to make it happen, let me help you make it happen. As the Smart Moves Coach, let me show you how. Thank you for listening to The Business Edge with Marcia Zeidel, the Smart Moves Coach and Speaker, helping entrepreneurial ventures and small to medium-sized companies build the leadership and talent to move from innovative startup to productive scale-up to profitable enterprise. Remember, 
To be successful, you must get outside your comfort zone. That's where the magic happens. Thank you. You've been listening to The Business Edge with Marsha's Idol, the Smart Moves Coach. Join us again next Friday, noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Make the leap from a stressful to a successful business. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.